could just trace like whenever a casino opened up in a local community the poverty rate and things like that and the unemployment rate and uh just all kinds of social problems fell out like dominoes i'm gonna give it everything i've got lady look please let the dice stay hot let me shoot a seven with every shot hello and welcome to the theological family ministry podcast a podcast for parents, as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, Doing pretty well. Kind of enjoying the, I don't know, I guess I'm enjoying the it's kind of starting to feel like fall here. It's a rainy day, a little bit cooler. So how about you, man? You been up to anything? Yeah, so uh, some pretty big news for us. So we're going to be moving to Maine uh, probably beginning of December, late November, uh, as I've accepted a supporter elder job at uh, Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. So in supported elder, basically, I'm a full-time pastor, and uh, but the church kind of practices all the elders share equal authority, uh, which is something that uh, long-time listeners of the podcast probably know that's right up my alley. So... Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, that's that's cool, man. We're, we're happy for you. I mean, Maine is a long way away, but uh, as I was talking, one of the one of the guys, the elders, there called to talk to me, and I, I said something about that. And he goes, "Well, you know, the road goes there both ways. I've been to Georgia multiple times, <laughs> so you know." Yeah, good elders there. So I'll be thankful, and uh, the and you know. I think we're excited for me to be able to preach more and stuff like that. So it'll be a really good opportunity. Uh, really, really lovely church. So we're really blessed to be able to be called by the church. Well, yeah, I pray that that's going to be a good situation uh, for you guys and for the church. And um, are, are you going to start talking with the, the New England accent? And, you know, eating lobster, butter. I have to, you know, people do get lobster on sale there. I was talking to somebody that we stayed with and they said, you know, the lobster will sometimes run, you know, at the, at the price of kind of steak prices around here. So, and which, you know, steak isn't cheap, but <laughs> around here, yeah. you know, and I'm sure even more in Georgia, lobster is outrageous price. So, you know, I don't even shop. For, I'm not really a seafood fan, but uh, I, I imagine that it's not, not, you know, we're not right there on the coast like Savannah or, you know, some of those places. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, this has made me, a, I'm a Red Sox fan now and a Patriots fan, uh, acclimating <laughs> to my locals. And, uh, this has been for both the teams I've rooted for, the Brewers and now uh, the Red Sox, this has been quite a disappointing playoffs. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It has not turned out probably quite how those folks would have liked. Yeah, so, well, and I know now your Braves, as a recording of this, uh, they're in pretty exciting position, right, Ben? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would like to be 2-0 in the World Series, it's 1-1, but hey, I'll take World Series first time in 22 years, so... I really wonder what are the odds of the uh, Braves winning the World Series? I mean, I'm, I'm sure people are betting a lot of money on this, right? I'm sure in lots of places I did read the odds. Uh, I don't understand how some of those odds work. Um, not much of a gambler myself, but it was like one over 150 for the 
Reds or the uh, the Astros and like under 145 or something for the Braves. So I don't really honestly I don't know what that means, but um, that's that's what I heard before the thing started. So now Ben says he's not that interested in it, but in truth, uh, if uh, the Braves lose the World Series, he might have some broken kneecaps. <laughs> Oh man, no, I'm uh, no gambling for me. Ah, so how about that, for thee? Yeah, you know, I I definitely bet more than I think you have been. I when I was in high school, I would have you know some dumb bets with friends, you know, whether on th- even on local sports or or even you know about grades and tests or or all kinds of dumb things. It was similar to there was an old Seinfeld episode where Kramer kind of gets addicted to betting on every little random thing, like whether flights getting delayed in the airport, but uh, but not nothing really big. Uh, but I was actually talked out of buying I, the after I was a Christian in seminary. I was talked out of buying a lotto ticket one time uh, by a Christian that we worked with. Do you remember this? Uh, I do remember the situation in generalities. Yeah. So the place Ben and I both worked, uh, they uh, were doing kind of they do lotto tickets when the lotto would get really high, and I kind of thought it would be good to uh, you know participate and just kind of be part of the crew and uh our one of that's, uh, that's why you're a red sox fan a christian <laughs> uh, named brad who worked there uh, had kind of talked to me i mean in love a really brotherly godly spirit and he explained to me some of the ethical concerns which we're going to talk about today uh, with lottery uh and so i actually did not get the lottery ticket i may have done it one time but uh or may have been the second time i said no but i at least have not done it in many years so uh but okay i, I did remember it was brad but okay cool. uh, that, you know but do you want to bet on anything today ben um i'm good yeah i've never been much of a i'm not a real risk taker in a lot okay. of ways so well, a lot of risk involved in gambling <laughs> given my podcast that i i write the discussion guides for i'm willing to bet uh let's bet five dollars that this podcast is over 50 minutes ben <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to agree that it's going to be that way, so. (laughs) Darn it. No, we won't really do that, listeners. Now, how did casino gambling and lotteries become an $120 billion industry in the U.S.? I'm going to guess that you know more about the history on this. Um, I mean, you do have major centers of gambling like Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Um, but, I mean, greed is at the core of some of this, obviously. The government also helped. Um, and, I mean, you've got casinos and that kind of thing. And there's pitches made, oh, we need to bring the casino here. It's going to bring jobs. and you know, It's going to bring local uh, economy. It's going to boost it, this kind of thing. Um, but you also have lotteries and things like that that are much more accessible. You don't have to get in the car or, the pl- or a plane, go to Vegas or Atlantic City. Uh, there's just ease of access, electronic stuff. Um, yeah, so, th- I mean, that's the things that come to my mind in the just immediate way. But I'm sure you've got probably a fuller explanation on some of this. Yeah, it's definitely evolved uh, and grown. And I think sometimes there's almost a misnomer that we often have that, especially, you know, I'm from the Midwest where a lot of casinos are Native American casinos. 
And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of laws that kind of protect that. And there's a stereotype, you know, that's just kind of this, the reservation thing. Uh, but it's far, far more than that, uh, in how it's grown. Actually, the majority of gambling in America ha- is from lottery tickets, from the state lotteries. And, uh, and this really came from states loosening laws, uh, that states have progressively loosened laws more and more, even in, you know, in the past few years. I know, for example, Illinois, where I'm from that they the state had passed a law that would allow slot machines inside certain restaurants that was not allowed in the past and, and there's been greater and greater loosening especially with online gambling lately so and that has led to huge increases even over the past few years uh, but uh, I, I another thing that has actually impacted this has been uh, casino has been casinos as well as even more so lotteries have learned uh, that if they make it harder to win uh, they can give out bigger bucks and the bigger the lottery number is the more people uh buy lotto tickets you know and so they're kind of trying to get that headline story of this absurd lottery uh number so and that actually brings in a ton of money to the lottery so it uh, is amazing that the people you know it's like wow that pot is huge and it's like well the odds are so bad <laughs> you know oh yeah the odds are never in your favor <laughs> Oh no, not even close. So that just shows you how bad they're against you. So, and, and even like, you know, you'll see like dumb articles on CNN sometimes that, you know, it's at such a high price that, you know, if every, if you bought one of every ticket, it's actually a good investment. But the, but the problem is not everyone's going to avoid that number. And so if you did buy one of every number, somebody else probably will have done the same thing. You know, will have bought the same number. So you just share it. So it's, <laughs> there's no good ways about it. It's a bad investment, but uh, it's been about, it's actually the cost of these kind of things of lottery. This is such a huge thing. This is about a thousand dollars annually per person, not per adult uh, in America spent on the lottery. I mean, well more than, I mean, some of the things we've talked about, you know, I mean, lottery amount, I think is significantly more than like church giving. We've talked about church giving in America. And so for all this said, by the way, I know we have, we have some guests, uh, one particular guest that's in Australia and we've had some listeners in Australia. Uh, for the record, it is considerably worse in Australia. Australia is, I did some research and it seems to be the worst country in the world for gambling right now. Really, I, I mean, I, I knew that they had you know various issues there, and I've heard somebody joke about you know what can you expect? It's a started off as a penal colony, but uh, <laughs> you know, state of Georgia did too. So, <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much that you know we ha- we have some common contact points with our Aussie uh, friends. Yeah, casinos are a big deal, particularly in Australia. So now, now how is gambling kind of changing in our day? We've alluded to this a little bit, but you know, I, again, I don't think this is 1950s crooners or Elvis Presley gambling, right? <laughs> it's, it's coming to the people and becoming more, much more accessible. I mean, I was watching the National League Championship Series the other night and I saw, you know, there's like ads in the middle of the game from these uh, online sports betting things. And it's like, just bet on your team. If they get a hit, then you can win. You can play for free and then you can win all this money. And, you know, they made it sound, you know, great and wonderful. And uh, you can see, I mean, just in-game ads like that. uh, I I was just amazed at the the brazenness of it. 
Um, and I'm sure there's, I mean, I have not searched for these kind of things. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure that they're there, but I think, you know, just what you can do on a smartphone, um, is, and like fantasy, I mean, some of those things like DraftKings and I think there's other ones, um, you know, fantasy football, it's not just fantasy football to, to play and, you know, okay, we won, but it's, you know, you can win money every week. Um, those kind of things. So, I mean, what else do you have in mind? Yeah. So. I mean, you spoke of some of the clear, uh, growing things. I mean, by far and away, one of the largest sources of gambling now in general is fantasy sports apps. I mean, that's across the globe now. And I mean, a lot of laws have allowed that to expand. It's going to lead to a lot of other things to expand. I mean, they have big lobbying groups, some of those things like DraftKings. And I know even, even DraftKings lobbied in Maryland to change some laws. I mean, it was actually bipartisan uh, law changes here in Maryland for them. So it's crazy. Actually, what's interesting in that though is, you know, even fantasy sports existed. Like when we were in high school, I mean, they were pretty new. I, I was really like addicted to fantasy sports in high school, actually. And, and I got into this kind of really competitive league that I was invited to by Yahoo and there was like winnings, but there was wasn't that I don't know anybody who put big money into fantasy sports. I know people now. I personally know people now that put thousands of dollars every year into fantasy sports. It's it's crazy. It's a whole different world. So, and wow. uh, and one other thing that is actually to go back to the crooners type things. Uh, as much as that aspect is really hard to track and easier to gamble in, some of the things that are you know actually involve going places, casinos. Casinos are coming back with a vengeance since COVID. I mean, 2020 saw casinos uh, have one of their lowest number in years for obvious reasons. But as things states have reopened things, one of the aspects of our economy that have boomed has been casinos, they're saying. And uh, and to show that how local this is. Oh, the stimmy chicks. Oh, yeah. To show how local this is, actually. So I mentioned we're going to Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine, which we're excited about. Just really a few minutes away from the church is, is I think, the largest casino in Maine. And uh, and it's such a big deal, this casino in, in Oxford, Maine, that uh, it's actually advertised throughout Maine. You know, I was told about this casino, and then all of a sudden we end up, because of all the Southwest craziness, we're stuck at a uh, bus station in uh, Portland, Maine, a bigger city. And there was, you know, they were really promoting these advertisements for this specific casino. Casino. So, like, did the elders take you there? Or? I d- yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I put my Southwest tickets on online for a game of backgammon, and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> no. Go no. have dinner at this casino. You know, Actually, my so- wife has been to a casino. I never have. They were traveling out west. And there was something like you could, I think they stayed at the casino because it was so cheap to stay there uh, because they're trying to lure people in to gamble. And so, you know, they just got a room and I think they had some, had a nice dinner there because it wasn't very expensive. Um, But I don't think they went to the craps tables or to the slot machines or anything. I've heard the food's pretty good at times, but yeah. But anyway, so, but I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll get a steak dinner at the casino. I mean, it's five minutes from the church. It's like the closest restaurant to the church. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding <laughs> that's awesome anyway but uh why do you think gambling is so glamorized in our world even not just recently but for a long time it's been glamorized yeah you're right it has i don't know if it's the instant success 
the or success if you want to call it that just hitting it rich the easy way so quick and and your life can just change um it's you know beating the odds and maybe there's something at least in the american imagination about you know fighting against the odds and the rugged individual or something and i mean i really don't know um i'm sure for for various people it appeals on a number of different fronts what do you think i think one of the things actually is I think oftentimes media representation of gambling is not of the person that's going, that's poor at the time. It's, you know, a kind of a glamorous lifestyle thing. Uh, I mean, you even see of, I mean, as we play in the beginning of a podcast today, the El- famous Elvis Presley song, Viva Las Vegas, which probably was written by something else. I know he ripped off a lot of people throughout his career. <laughs> that's just a historical fact, by the way. Look it up. Listeners. Uh, but, uh, I think also, even today, you know, our culture shows gambling, like in media, as more like what Tony Stark does, like famously in the Iron Man movie, or James Bond, you know. Uh, I was cool, seeing James Bond, yeah. Yeah, Devin Air, you know. Uh, and not the, rea- not the reality of gambling, which the most... Uh, far more common instances of gambling are examples of the guy who can't afford diapers but buys a lottery ticket anyway to win it big. Uh, and, uh, and I think further, state lottery advertisements can clearly give a glamorous lifestyle image. I mean, there's no question that they kind of push forward with, you know, luxurious cars, you know, that nice clothes, that kind of imagery of success, of that kind of glamorous success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is terrible. So, all right. Now, we've talked about kind of some uh, of the problems in gambling a little bit already. Uh, but I want to ask Ben is gambling really sinful? Uh, and if it's not overt, if you're not going to say it's overtly sinful, I'm curious if you think it's really wise for a Christian. You know, I don't, I don't think of a particular verse that says, you know, thou shalt not gamble. Um, <laughs> However, at the very least, you can say it is really not wise. Um, and I mean, there's a lot more to it that we'll get into. I, though I do remember when I was in college, I was working at this car dealership, and there was a guy there who would often go and buy some kind of lottery tickets. And I remember I was going to say something to him about it. And then he ends up winning like twice in one month. And now it's not like he won a ton of money, but yeah. he won a few thousand dollars. Um, you know, would have covered his expenses. And I thought, well, I guess that kind of undermines my argument. Now, for most people, that doesn't, that's not the case. They don't win. Um, but it is incredibly unwise. The statistical odds, I mean, as I've heard, you get a better chance of getting struck by lightning and things like that. Yeah. And I don't know anyone that's ever gotten struck by lightning. I do. Um, do you? <laughs> Good friend got struck by lightning. He was a park ranger. So. Okay. Well, and, you know, I, I do know two people who have won, you know, more than a thousand dollars in the lottery, nobody that's won like hundred gazillion dollars. Um, but it is, I I think a squandering of resources and there's a whole lot more character and theological stuff that we could get into. But, um, I mean, I think it's really, if it's not sin, it's really there on the border peeking over. Yeah. So I would probably go even a little bit further than I I'm comfortable saying 
that not all, but most gambling is sinful. But I think par- part of it is going to have to do with heart motivations in gambling and what drives gambling. Uh, I would especially say that for those who profit off of gambling. Uh, you know, I, I think that those who run casinos, those who, you know, those who extort the poor in that kind of way, I, I think without that is explicitly sinful to me. Uh, and, you know, even in most cases where it's not sinful, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, I, I think in most cases when it's not really sinful, it's probably, it's pretty foolish and it's an imprudent use of finances. I mean, there's a whole lot that, I mean, you can put money in the stock market and do a whole lot better and you're helping society. You're objectively bringing a good to society through that. So, um, you know, and I think the sin in this is really mainly God's money is given uh, to us. I mean, whatever resources we have is actually God's money and mm-hmm. is given to us to steward. And so when we gamble, more often than not, in almost all cases, we are discontentedly risking throwing it away for this pursuit of getting more. Yeah. And that, you yeah. know, I, I think that is, and we're going to get, I'm going to bring up some theology issues that I think <laughs> provoke even bigger concerns than that. But now, could gambling ever be morally appropriate for Christian at all, Ben? I mean, I can conceive of a situation where you and I make some kind of thing. Hey, if the Braves win the World Series, you know, then I'll get you this book. If they lose, you get me this. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, even like we don't live in the same place, but if we're in the same place and there's some silly thing, it's like, hey, if this happens, I'll take you to lunch. I mean, in that kind of situation, that's not, I wouldn't say that's really squandering. It, you're kind of enhanced, you're building into a relationship or something like that. Um, I wouldn't say you're being imprudent with the resources that God has entrusted to you. It, it, that kind of thing, I don't have a big uh, objection to. Now, I, I've heard of people like Charles Barkley. My dad was telling me about it the other day how he, you know, admitted that he's lost like fifteen million dollars or something yeah. gambling. Now, the guy's made a ton, but I mean, you know, that is uh, terrible, um, as Chuck would say. <laughs> but you know, he just like when you have that kind of resources, you go and he, he'd go in and, and he'd be winning, and some of his friends or whatever would say, "Hey, Chuck, man, it's." it's time to leave. And he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm winning. Like I can keep going. And, um, we're not talking about that kind of money. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think? You think it's just always off limits or so I've never, I don't, maybe I've done it like once. I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it's always off limits. In fact, actually your example of kind of that, like bet, like you'll take out to lunch if that's the case. Actually, I, I'm sinfully overweight. Uh, it's not sin to be overweight, but it's sin, uh, to lack self-control in the way that I do and find hope in, in food rather than finding hope in God at times. And, uh, one of the things I tried to lose weight, me and a friend kind of had a competition a couple of years back. Uh, and it was from the Super Bowl to like April, whoever lost the most weight. And I, you know, I'm so competitive and whoever wa- had lost the most weight would get taken out to five guys for lunch and get whatever they want. And so I'm so competitive that I, you know, I ate like I was dying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> until I lost like 20, 30 pounds in like a month and uh, probably 30 pounds in a little over a month. And then I, he took me out to lunch and then I proceeded to gain almost or gain everything back pretty quickly. <laughs> Probably a lot of it from that five guys meal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't offer to take somebody to like you know some hundred dollar a person yeah. kind of place. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I 
I think if we do uh, gamble among friends uh, and, you know, we bet what we are kind of cool with losing. You know, if any time we're making a bet, it's betting something that, you know, we're budgeting basically to lose this with expectations. That is our full expectations that we're going to lose it. I think at times it's okay. And, uh, you know, I, I think in that I would generally say, you know, I'm in this, I'm kind of thinking of times where, you know, friends might, you know, play, you know, a game of poker, like some Christian friends together, and they put the kind of money in towards it that they would put towards going to a movie. You know, it's, I mean, if anything, I think maybe there's more spiritual benefit of having that social time than going, you know, and sitting in a movie theater. Uh, but, you know, part, but the majority of times, I don't think it's wise, but I, even this, I think should be about games of skill and, uh, not the excitement of quick chance bets. Because I know Christians that have kind of done, you know, little dollar hands of like, uh, of real quick bet type games. And, and I don't think to me that the thrill is in the bet rather than the thrill, rather than just adding it to the fun, if that makes sense. And I don't, I think even in cases where I'm saying, you know, it's okay, uh, you know, with small amounts like this. I don't think it's as, uh, see this as wise, uh, in church. Like, you know, I know of churches that have done this kind of thing. I think any kind of church program shouldn't have any element of gambling in that kind of way. If, you know, if if any of us are putting money in it, I just think it's a foolish, uh, but I, you know, I do know actually one, uh, yeah, I had some friends, uh, and me at the church I was at, at the church I was at in high school in my youth group, we played Oreo poker, I believe. I think that was who I played it with one time. And so we bought some Oreos and, you know, we used them as chips and, and that was fun. And, you know, I don't think there was anything wrong with that. It was, you know, good time and had that element of it, but it wasn't really risking anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty low key. Yeah, but what does the Bible say about gambling? Does it say using Oreos as chips is sinful? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know. Would, would a David have eaten Oreos? Probably. Um, the Bible, you know, like I said, it doesn't mention specific chapter and verse about gambling, though it refers to things that they would do back in those times to make decisions or things like that, you know, casting of lots. Um, Proverbs 16.33 says that the the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so, I mean, from that, you can draw out some things that even God God's sovereignty reaches even into people throwing dice or those kinds of things or the, the, the lotto machine popping the balls up. He is in charge of that. Um, but those are not things that we're permitted to look into. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, the, the odds of you being able to pick that uh, is really, really not good. Um, but I think there's some other related issues about greed, love of money, um, coveting, craving, that kind of thing. Uh, Proverbs 28:22 says uh, that essentially greedy people want to get rich quick. Um, but they're really headed towards poverty. And th- this this notion that I can just strike it big, strike it rich, without having to work hard, when generally the way the world works is, for most people, is that you have to work hard. And yes, you may accumulate and gain some profit over the long haul. Um, not, I mean, no, there's some people that are trust fund babies and, and that kind of thing. That's not most people. And so you work hard, and then you can reap the reward of that. You you reap what you have sown. Um, but there's there's a lot of warnings about 
the desire to be rich or seeking to be rich and the dangers that that can ensnare you. And, and so even if you, I mean, it's wrong to try to become a software engineer or something, you know, and try to become rich, but it may be even worse to try to get rich by, you know, playing lotto tickets as far as the, the sociological impact it may have, you know, in your own life and your families. Um, but I mean, there's more, you know, what would you say to that? That's good. So, yeah, I, I think that you've kind of brought most of the passages that are most relevant to the table already. So, uh, now we've considered the biblical aspects, but we're theological family ministry podcast and uh, clunky title. I know, but it's been several years now. <laughs> and, uh, it's hard to go back, right? <laughs> By the way, if anyone uh, has found our name of the podcast odd, I, I take full blame on that, by the way. <laughs> is luck because luck is involved in gambling and any kind of lotto type approach but is a lock a proper theological concept for the christian no and, and you don't even have to be a calvinist to view that as a problem um god i mean like the proverb sixteen thirty three about the lot being cast into the lot but every decision coming from the lord um God is, is sovereign over all things. Christians disagree on exactly what that means, how that works out in the details. Um, but it's not just this random notion of you know, the stars aligning or, or whatever else may happen, atoms colliding. And so, no, I mean, we see that God is in charge of the world. And so to say, oh, I got lucky or this person got lucky, even if it is on something that, that would, as we understand luck, it would seem, you know, how in the world did you manage to this one and how many ever million chance did you pick those numbers um, or pick what the score was going to be or, you know, this kind of thing. Um, that's ultimately, that's wrong. I mean, it's just not how God set up the world. He, he is in charge of it. Yeah, that's great. So uh, before I give my thoughts on this, which those are really good ones, I actually really want to recommend any listeners uh, get the book. It's kind of a heady book, but I think an excellent book on this topic, and it will really impact a lot of their thoughts. A Chance in the Sovereignty of God by Vern Poitras. I, I think truly excellent book on understanding luck and chance from a Christian perspective. But uh, and I one thing he kind of gets at, and R.C. Sproul does even more so in other sources is actually this idea of luck or chance uh, is really not existent. Uh, there is not, there's not a chance that you get lucky and the dice rolls, die rolls in a different way than it would have because you have some kind of pagan power behind you called luck. That's not something that exists. I mean, you know, there's no, no one like, you know, Charles Barkley thought he kind of had that, you know, when he kept going, he was on a tear as if there was some kind of force in him that allowed. I mean, that does not exist. Uh, actually, you know, and then even zone. these, things that like seem to defy the odds like what are the chances that that team would make the super bowl well the reality is if you give anything i mean that there's an aver there's an regression to the means if you give anything enough opportunity something's going to be a statistical outlier that that actually fits with how god's universe is built so but chance in itself again it doesn't exist rc sproul used to criticize uh, atheists that would say this universe came about by chance uh, because you know chance is actually not a thing there's not a thing in this universe called chance it's really merely our way to describe what 
what we don't fully understand. Uh, an example of that, I know Sproul has brought up actually was in, in gambling that, uh, you know, we, we don't know when we roll, we don't have perfect self control. We don't have perfect, um, hand eye coordination. And therefore we don't know what will happen when we roll a die. You know, we are, you know, that our connection, our mind and our hand are not, not as good as say a robot. But if a robot rolled a die, a robot could, you know, you could design a robot that would roll a die with heads up on a one. It could hand up in a six every single time. I mean, it's because you just have to engineer it perfectly in that kind of way. That all that chances is our way of explaining what kind of we can't explain because the fact that, you know, we're imperfect beings because we're unpredictable beings because, other than God's prediction of things. Uh, but further, uh, you know, only God knows the future. And so I think a lot of ways, this idea of luck is kind of acting, you're kind of acting a little bit like a necromancer or, you know, a fortune teller, that only God is the one that can know possibly what will happen when we roll that die or when we, you know, get that lotto ticket. Our feeling of a sense of luck is is unreliable. We're false prophets when we get a lotto ticket. Mm. That's, yeah, strong word, but. When you said before, I get my thoughts on this. I thought you were going to, you know, pause for a, a break. You know, our sponsor today is Harris Casino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'd like us. <laughs> I think they'd use our fun- to the podcast while you play the slot machines. Yeah, I think they'd use their financial resources to destroy us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it is funny though with this. Uh, you know, this isn't really on topic, but maybe we'll keep it. But uh, it always fascinates me that people that, you know, new apostolic movement. I mean, I know people even went to college with that heavily believe that, you know, they get prophecy from God and they can see the future almost omnisciently. And, and it surprises me that oh. these people are not getting lotto tickets left and right. I, I mean, it only makes sense. I mean, they could give it to missions, right? So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I guess if you're a prophet, which to be clear, if you're listening to this, you are not a prophet. There are no prophets after the apostolic era. They don't exist today. So, <laughs> but if you are a prophet, go to the casino, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And send us some of the proceeds, please. Or prove yourself wrong in the process. I don't know. So. <laughs> Uh, now, how is the gambler parent discipling their children? Because we've, you know, we've talked a lot about broad theology, uh, but connecting this to home, how is the parent that's gambling actually discipling their kids in the process? Well, you just said it. I think what was it? you said it when you buy a lotto ticket, you're you're being a false prophet. So, I mean, you can be discipling your child to gamble. In a way, you're training, you're you're teaching and cultivating that. Um, I mean, a love for a quick buck, for gain, um, all that comes with that. And I mean, nobody plays the lottery because you know the whoever gets the the winner gets you know publicly humiliated or something like that. Like it, there's something you're seeking that's that's you know uh, it, it's a good thing that you're seeking in a sense, like as far as being able to have resources. And so I mean, you're teaching your kid to want those kinds of things and, you know, probably increasing the likelihood that they will also buy a ticket when they're able. Yeah, no, that's good. So, I, well, it's not good, but <laughs> that's a good point. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'll add, I think we are teaching our children 
or, you know, children around that luck is something to be grabbed hold of when we do that. You know, we're teaching that luck is this pagan kind of chance, this pagan thing that we can grab hold of. But, uh, and further, I think we are undermining contentment. You know, if we, if we teach mm-hmm. our kids as we should, that they should be content in Christ, we are actually undermining that message when we're buying, you know, when we're involved in gambling. And kids are much more likely to gamble if their parents do so, which actually goes to, we always talk about how, you know, parents are the primary influence of their kids. And people don't want to believe that, uh, you know, when it's easy to check off, you know, hand off the discipling of their kids. But uh, just a demonstration of that is parents that gamble have are dramatically more likely to raise kids who gamble. Mm. So, yeah, now it's a good point kind of moderate this a bit is buying a scratch off at the grocery store with little Johnny in tow. Uh, is that really a big, a big deal? Is that that bad to do that though? Well, I mean, it's a form of discipling them. Whatever you're doing that is going to filter down there, they're taking those things in, especially if it's a habitual thing. Um, they're going to take note and you know, mom, dad, what are you doing? That doesn't even, I'm not, just because it, a habitual thing is worse doesn't mean that you should do it once. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you are setting patterns for them. And, you know, we are bearing witness with our mouths, with our our tone of voice, with, with, with our words and our actions, uh, what God is like. And so, um, I mean, we've already established it's very foolish to play the lottery, maybe sinful even. And so, you know, you're just putting that on display for your kids. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, And I'm going to acknowledge, you know, it is less of a sin. It's less bad to get a $1, you know, lotto ticket when you're out of the grocery store than it would be to, you know, that to sell your home and then put it all on black, you know, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> like the latter is definitely worse. Uh, but, you know, but I, I do think that when it, even when it's just a buck, that that act of going to the grocery store and buying a lot of ticket, I mean, going to the gas station doing, which this is most of what gambling is, this makes risking finances a part of our basic errands. I, I mean, that's fundamentally what you've done, is you made risking uh, that throwing away money, risking finances that uh, into a family errand. Uh, and it, the reality is it seldom stops at the scratch off or two. I mean, again, we're talking about, I mean, you, you mentioned, I think, that, you know, a friend that made some money on scratch-offs. I mean, the people that do gamble, even on scratch-offs, even on lotto tickets, I mean, it, it only takes, if you win a few thousand dollars, it's only going to take you a few years to lose what you've gained because if people don't stop. I mean, it's rarity that people will just get one and then be done. Yeah, and a lot of people get addicted to gambling. Yeah. Absolutely, so... Uh, now, how does gambling actually hurt others beyond the comfortable Christian family that probably could do, uh, do with some of that money? Well, I mean, it preys on the poor, like you said, and it's not as glamorous as, you know, James Bond sitting there with his martini. There are people who don't have the money to buy diapers, like you said, uh, people that, that should be using that money, that limited amount of money a very limited amount of money to buy absolute necessities. And instead they're hoping, oh man. So they're hoping they can strike it big, you know, get that, that Powerball, whatever. And one thing is causing them to put their hope in that 
which there's a sense that, yes, I mean, just having the basic necessities, uh, that's a good thing. That's not uh, idolatry, but they can be putting their hope in the money and in, in a bad way of getting it than putting their hope in the Lord. It may be, I, I don't know, maybe de-incentivizing them from pursuing honest gain and taking their money uh, and, and putting it towards better ends, uh, being able to, to save it in various ways, even if it's a, or even in now, I mean, you can, you talked about investing earlier. There are platforms where you can invest uh, online. You don't have to go through a broker with no charge and you can get, you know, fractional share. So like with a dollar, you can, you know, get a portion of a share of a company, um, you know, like GameStop or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not recommending but, games. Uh, We're not recommending Redditors. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there could be something to that. And I know that there's complicated stuff with, you know, some people that are on government assistance who would be, you know, fall under the category of folks I'm talking about who they save too much money, then they lose their benefits. And I, I, I'm not trying to make these hard and vast prescriptions or something, but uh, I think it can be just an enticement that, that draws people in and uh, is essentially robbing from the poor. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, what do you go to with the poor stuff? I mean, poor Americans spend considerably higher percentage of their income on gambling on average. And uh, the comfortable glamorizing actually is what entices them. You know, I mean, the way that these kinds of things are, you know, and I mean, that's where actually in America, American poor are often different from global poor in the sense that American poor often uh, believe that there's more so, uh, social climbing than there actually is. And, and as a result, you know, they end up digging themselves deeper when they see these glamorized, easy escapes. Uh, and you're hurting it by enabling this. Uh, and the reality is if we put money into the system, even if we put a dollar into the system to that dollar scratch off, that that money is going to be used to expand and advertise the systems that exploit poor people, that exploit people that are less educated, that exploit people that, you know, are sometimes even have intellectual disabilities. I mean, that is a reality that I mean, some of these people being taken advantage of have intellectual disabilities and it is hurting them. It is oppressing them. It's evil, man. So in some way, yeah. go ahead. Oh, just, and you helped me. I mean, not like I was happily buying lotto tickets and stuff uh, before this, but you helped me see that aspect of it, uh, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, one thing, even at the same time when I was convicted on this and, uh, and Ben can say that, you know, I pricked his conscience, but I, I think Ben has been a lot more virtuous in this area than I have as in most areas, uh, you know, but, uh, he, you know, I know, I mean, I knew somebody, you know, had intellectual impairments and he was, you know, using, some money that he was given even by the government for lotto tickets. And, and I think he's being taken advantage of through that. Uh, and in some ways to me, actually this, you know, there's a Bible passage in Romans that talks about, uh, not eating meat offered to idols in front of those whose conscience will be offended. And that, that's often really misused to kind of promote a hyper legalism. Uh, but honestly, I think there's some ability, uh, to bring it up here because, you know, we're, you're going to hurt other people uh, by doing this, by bringing this. And, and again, with, I mean, Paul's point with allowing people to eat meat sacrifice idols was that there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Actually, it's meat and meat is good for you, but there's no positive substance in gambling. All it is is 
uh, it's you know it, it's like if paul was talking about you know eating i don't know that eating a poison sacrifice to idols you know <laughs> that, that's all that you're doing uh, maybe drinking a little bit of it you won't die but you know there's no right. positive gain in this case so yeah it's a good point now we've talked, uh, and I think listeners can probably guess where I'm going to go on this one, but I don't know where you're going to go, Ben. Should Christians oppose state lotteries and casino openings in their areas? You know, the casino thing, I, my father-in-law was talking to me about this several years ago that you could just trace like whenever a casino opened up in a, in a co- uh, local community, the poverty rate and things like that, and the unemployment rate, and uh, just all kinds of social problems fell out like dominoes within not that long after the place opening. People came in, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to bring all this tourism in and, you know, boost the local economy. And what it does is hurt the poorer people, uh, or pe- people end up becoming impoverished um, with the opening of the casino. You know, the state lottery thing, I, when it's run by the government, um, it's not a good thing. I mean, when, when the government is essentially robbing from its own people, it, it gets into tricky questions because they will use these things and they will promote it. I mean, I know Georgia does, and I benefited from it. Um, I mean, and, and I, I don't know, maybe I thought about it for a minute, but like, uh, I thought of it just from the standpoint of gambling being bad and sinful, not from its, you know, taking advantage of yeah. poorer people. But, you know, it, it funds these educational scholarships um and so that's a good thing but it's like you know if you go through the slums and you know shake all the poor people down and then we're gonna send all the some some of those people and some others to to college with it you know that raises some questions i I don't know how to answer that i mean it seems like maybe they could tax alcohol and cigarettes you know exorbitantly to do it i don't know um I'm just being facetious, but uh, so yeah, I, it's not a thing I would not like vote for those kinds of things. I don't think, but uh, those are gets into some tricky things. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, I, I fully believe as pastors, as a pastor, we should avoid politics really as much as possible. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to use any public platform. In fact, I think probably a handful of people know what I vote on and anything. You know, but I think there are issues we do need to speak out on, and we have to have discernment in that. And and I will say, I'm not going to make a law. You know, I'm not going to say that from on high that God says that Christians have to vote for this candidate because of their view on state lotteries and casino openings. Uh, this said, I think this alongside serious things like abortions should be should impact Christian votes. I'm not going to say that it should determine, but I'm saying that this should on it. I I do think this should be something that Christians think about. I, I don't think, I think most of society ignores it, but Christians should be some that realize the extreme national cancer that is this issue. And and I think that it should have some impact on who we vote for, how we, you know, whether it's our first three issue or whatever, that's, that's an individual listener's decision. But I don't think it should be something we ignored. You know, I have seen, you know, we live in Maryland now, we're about to live in Maine, and there is that around the time we moved to Baltimore area, you know, there was a big casino put in in the city of Baltimore, downtown, near the stadiums, in rough neighborhoods. And the idea that I, I've been told that they have was the money would go to the stadiums and, and then education as well, and that it would be targeting 
wealthier people that could afford it. That's not what happened. Uh, this has hurt poor people in the city of Baltimore. This has oppressed those that, that are in need that we're called to care for and look out for. You know, we're called to be your brother's keepers. And this is a way that is destroying one another. And I, I don't think that this should, you know, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to tell anybody who to vote for, but that should bother us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, I was trying to be careful and nuanced and not uh, make too hard of a prescription. I, mean, I don't think we have, and you know, this podcast is not a local church, but um, it is something that it is concerning. Now, how is gambling an issue for young people themselves, Ben? You know, I don't know how old you have to be like to play on DraftKings, for example. You have to be 18. Do you know? I think you're supposed to be, but I think some teens do it from what I've read. Well, yeah, there's a whole slew of people that have social media accounts that lie about their age. You know, th- that that would fit some people into that's an issue for them. They're actually participating in it. Others, though, it, it plays in, I think, how they view money and wealth, uh, how they view work, life, and, and just those kind of character issues. And it's kind of like, say, a kid that's in an impoverished area thinking, my only way out is to become a, a really good athlete. You know, and for some, yes, it may mean a college scholarship at some level. Uh, the amount of them that get, like, you know, Division One, you know, playing on national television, that's a pretty low amount. And the, the amount that actually make it to the pros is even lower. Well, you know, when you get into – you may have a better shot at that than, than hitting the you know $500 million Powerball. Um, and so I think it's just more looking at life and their views on these things that will shape who they become as they are able to engage in gambling. Um, though I've heard of, of kids playing you know dice and, and stuff like that um, yeah. in urban areas and that, that kind of thing. But what do you think? Yeah, so uh- – I think, you know, obviously it becomes legal, you know, when you hit adulthood. Uh, so it's a lot more legal. But to me, this goes to the, you know, the parent that uh, finds out, you know, that their their child turns 21 and goes to a bar and then ends up passed out drunk at the bar with his friends. I, I'm going to promise you that wasn't their first time having alcohol, even though it was not legal before. And in the same way, I mean, a lot of studies show 18 to 20 year olds. I mean, that kind of very young, young adults spend a lot on gambling and they spent money on gambling before it was legal. I promise you that. So, uh, it's rarely starts when it just becomes legal. Um, you know, high school limited stakes gambling, for example, like just little gambling in high school can sometimes be popularized among boys. Now I know that that's, I mean, I actually know of, of a church I was at before that there was, you know, a church event, a youth event, uh, that evolved into a teenager's betting money on, uh, that betting, decent bits of money on casino style games and uh, you know that was you know junior hires even so Uh, but so this is not a thing that just starts in adulthood but i think gambling is even more foolish uh without adult maturity that's one thing i do want to add to this conversation you know i i probably would be hesitant to encourage even you know that this 17 year old to even bet five bucks on you know uh, on game of poker with some friends because again i know that teenagers are not notorious for having a lot of self-control which you with that yeah so now how do parents 
and churches teach uh, God's sovereignty over pagan understandings of luck? Well, I think it starts, well, maybe not starts, but a big part of it is teaching them to be thankful mm. because implicit in that is I'm being thankful. This is what gets me about the um, – like the Thanksgiving Day parades and like the you know the broadcasts and stuff and they've got these celebrities out there and what are you thankful for what are you thankful for and you know it, it's just sort of this attitude of thankfulness but it implies that there is someone responsible for this gift that I have this good thing they don't spell it out like that but it's just sort of like I just have this you know general outlook of thankfulness <laughs> um, but yeah so anyway it just sort of amuses me but. But teaching them to be thankful and spell it out for them um, that, you know, we receive God's gifts as gifts from him. That's something I've been learning a lot with my family, just over meals in various ways, that we will receive this as a gift from God. Not just eat it, but actually say, oh, this is from God and be thankful. Uh, And so helping them understand that. I think trusting God through difficulty in your family, things that you face, and uh, through, you know, as you engage with Scripture— I'd say read the Psalms and pray them routinely and regularly. I mean, you get a a big view of God and and living life under his sovereign rule, his good and wise sovereign rule, even through difficult things. Um, And just trying to trace his hand out in retrospect sometimes or even in the present. We don't have – you talked about prophets earlier – you know, we don't have 100 uh, percent 20 or, you know, accurate vision on this. But sometimes you can look back and say, OK, I see how God was at work in this yeah. preparing or this is something, you know, and trying to, to help your kids with that. And, and sometimes often, you know, I find myself doing this. I'll pray for something, ask God to do it. And then he does it. And then it's like months later, I realize, oh, yeah, he did that. Like I never even said thank you. Um. And so helping them do those kind of things, connecting those dots for them. Yeah, I think that's really good. So, you know, I, I won't add really to that. I think you had a really good answer for everybody in that. So so then final question, how can we teach young people to have self-control and to avoid these kinds of risky financial decisions? I think you start young on the self-control. The longer you go in something, the more of a, a, a grip it has on you. And so teaching them from a young age, trying to control their mouth, control their hands, this kind of thing, uh, let them face natural consequences as you're able to. I think when it comes to money, let them be in a position where you, you help them think through something. But then even if it means they've got to spend money on something and, and use up a lot of money, uh, or, or the available money that they have on something that you know is not quality or they're going to lose it or they're going to break it or, or whatever. It's going to wear out. And then they have to go without having money, uh, letting them face some of that and also making them work and earn, teaching them about that. that that's that's how you are able to uh, obtain resources that you have to work and, and letting them appreciate the value of that and, and then experience the fruit of their labors. Uh, you could even, you know, we talked about investing and teaching them to invest even at a young age, not just in the stock market, though you may want to do that. Um, that's not the same thing as gambling. Like you are actually, like you said, you can be contributing to society. You can put your money in something that's going to help other people uh, in various ways from whether it's having a job or it's providing some product or service. And so it is a different thing. 
Um, and my dad tried to do that when I was, I don't know, no more than about 10 or 12 years old. He was going to go and uh, get some Walmart stock. And, you know, he said, do you want to get any? And he told the the share price was, I don't think it was any more than about like 25 or $50. And I was like, man, that's a lot for one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. And uh, anyway, I just looked. Walmart stock right now is at like 148 Um <laughs> So, you know, I just didn't quite piece it all together in my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those can be good, good things from character development, also just get more, even more practical things about money. But I mean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, uh, that's a good points, but I do want to clarify an investing thing that, uh, you might gather from this podcast that it's a smart financial decision to buy stock in DraftKings, <laughs> which you probably could do. It's probably publicly traded, but that would probably miss the point as well. <laughs> don't, don't use that. Prudent as a serpent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, but, uh, I, I would just say, you know, I think that we can teach that by living modestly with joy, you know, and, and we've talked about mm-hmm. this through, you had a great episode that you'd written up on, you know, mo- teaching kids on money. And, uh, and I encourage listeners to go back to that. But, you know, it is really important to model living you know, modestly, sacrificially with joy. Because if we do that, I think that they can see that, you know, it's not about the glamour. It's not about, you know, making, getting this. It's about instead trusting God's providence and being happy with what he's given to us. That's really good. Amen. So, well, I hope listeners have enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, Ben, I I bet that listeners uh, really benefit from this. Uh, How much money do you want to bet on that? Uh, I mean, I'll put down a hundred about that. Okay. You know, that uh, sounds good. So maybe I'll bet you double or nothing the next episode or something. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I enjoyed talking with you, Ben. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.